Hello, this is Justin Mason, and what you're about to hear is recordings from last weekend's Potapalooza 2024. This was a live stream event hosted over two days, 20 hours in total. And sometimes during this event, because so many different people are involved, the audio isn't quite what you would expect from a normal podcast. I hope you still enjoy the content, but I apologize if there is some choppiness or rough listening at points. Enjoy. We have something coming. We have Scott Fish of the Scott Fish Bowl of Fantasy Cares coming on for a few minutes just to chat. Tell us a little bit about Fantasy Cares uh, and what you guys do over there because it's an amazing organization that we're supporting today. What's going on, man? Thanks, thanks a lot, Justin, for having me on. Yeah, uh, Fantasy Cares is this uh, just this little fundraising thing we started many, many years ago that turned into a a nonprofit, and now it's uh, full on accredited for the last few years, credited five hundred one c three charity that we basically raise a whole bunch of money. We go buy a ton of toys at Christmas time for kids and in 25 different cities around uh, around the country but not only that we we try to support a bunch of different charities local charities small charities uh all over the country as well outside of that we run lots of fun contests and uh and and games and and whatnot obviously the fishbowl is part of it and uh awesome that tgfbi is uh is working with us this year on, with it as well it's just it's just wonderful seeing the community do good with our hobby as you've known for years and done for years as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, you know, envisioned when I started TGFBI, which was one to give people in the industry a platform that may not necessarily get it from just their own content, but also to do good, right? Like yep. we have, we have these platforms, they're bigger than they probably should be. And we should use that <laughs> to do good around, uh, you know, our industry and around the country. And uh, I think Fantasy Cares is a fantastic organization that does just that. Uh, you have something to announce as well that I would love for you guys to share or for you to share because, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool prize that you guys are donating. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we we have lots of we generally have lots of prizes on hand to uh, give away in these contests we run to try to raise money, and uh, we noticed we had a we had a few jerseys sitting around signed autographed uh, uh, jerseys that we could uh, give away on this. Uh, they're baseball ones, so that that might hit your crowd a little bit a little bit better than my normal crowd. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so we have an Eric Gagne jersey, signed jersey. We have a Jose Canseco signed jersey, which I actually I actually have right here. Um, and we have a Ronald Acuna Jr. jersey, a signed jersey, to give away. Um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to give one of each of those away to a random don't to ra three random donators who donate between now and the end of the Potapalooza. I believe that was the plan. So um, we'll have a few jerseys to give away if you, if you plan on jumping in and making a, either a donation or another donation from now until the end. Uh, you could win one of those three jerseys. 
That is an amazing prize. I am bummed because I'm not eligible to win those prizes. Uh, we also have, uh, it's not signed or anything, but a Sean Bouchard jersey, a guy who won me a bunch of uh, money that I'm going to donate nice. uh, to someone. Uh, keep those donations coming in, donorbox.org backslash TGFBI. Yep. We've already raised over $1,000 today. You add that okay. into the over $6,000 that TGFBI and TGFBI uh, satellite participants have raised uh, all off season. Uh, and we are currently at $7,348 raised nice. so far wow. this draft season for the FBI and Potapalooza. Keep those donations coming in. Scott, where can everybody find you on social media? Where can everybody wow. find uh, Fantasy Cares on social media? And where can people sign up for the Scott Fishbowl? Because, man, I've been a part of the Scott Fishbowl. My wife has been a part of the Scott Fishbowl for the last few years, and it is an absolute blast. It is. It is. You can sign up for that at scottfishbowl.com. We're going to have at least 35 different cities have live events you can go draft at uh, this year. So sign up for that. Try to get in one of those live events and have fun, uh, uh, you know, drafting live with some people. But if you don't draft live, there's slow drafts, uh, just like TGFBI has. Um, you can find me on Twitter, scottfish24. You can find Fantasy Cares, uh, Fantasy Cares at fantasycares.org. Um, actually those are the handles for basically any social media platform you want to find us on. I was going to mention also if, if, if your, uh, if your audience has more interest in, in what fantasy cares does or our, our contests, uh, you can always email to see if you want to help with us, volunteer with us. Um, or just, we have other contests. We have a March madness contest coming up. We have an NCAA or a, uh, a master's contest. We have, you know, I, I grabbed, a, I pulled a few out because I thought this might be interesting to your audience, but uh, I'm sure they like other sports too. But we got like a signed Hambino Smalls jersey. We got a signed by the entire cast of the Sandlot. We got a Wild Thing Vaughn signed jersey. We got lots of contests coming up that'll have more, uh, more really fun stuff. So uh, if interested, uh, check out Fantasy Cares Org on, on the socials or just Scottfish24 on the socials, uh, especially X, because I'll, I'll generally retweet when we have those various contests. But thank you so much for having me on, Justin. It's very cool hey. of you to do this and to bring me on to talk about it a little. It's just, just a wonderful thing you're doing, man. Man, I really appreciate you and everything you and your organization does in the fantasy uh, industry. I know you guys are mostly fantasy football, but you yep. do so much. Um, and, hey, you know what? If you play fantasy baseball, you probably play fantasy football. You probably play a million different fantasy sports. Um, <laughs> and so it's so great to have the two kind of communities coming together uh, to do a lot of good. So I appreciate you coming on, Scott. Thank you so much for carving out a few minutes out of your day. I know you're not feeling well. I'm under no, the weather, okay. too. And we're just we're just chugging along to raise money for a great Gotta cause. Do it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Justin. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, definitely go follow Fantasy Cares on Twitter. Definitely go follow uh, uh, Scott on Twitter as well. Go check out FantasyCares.org, a fantastic organization that we are raising money for, and we're gonna raise some more money here with another amazing panel. One I get to be a part of uh, because we are having some starting pitcher debates um apparently nick pollock is uh, on the cole. phone i know i know cole but you know, just just oh i'm sorry hold on bye gotta go bye yeah uh what's up hey how you, how you guys doing what's everything we were you <laughs> talking to garrett cole there 
I mean, oh, I, don't, I wasn't talking to anybody. What are we talking about? Oh, oh okay. All right. Uh, that is Nick Pollock of Pitcherless. Nick, remind everybody where you can reach on social media and plug all that you do. Just come to Pitcherless, y'all. That's it. Just go. If you haven't seen it yet, you're doing it wrong. Just go. Yeah. You're right. Uh, we also have Eric Samolski. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, guys. How are you? This is like, do you ever see the How I Met Your Mother where they meet their, the, they have like, they meet their doppelgangers? It's like we got these two tall, lanky pitching experts, and then they're like thick, husky counterparts. Um, and it's just like it feels, and that's also perfectly aligned here in the mm. boxes. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, remind everybody where you reach on social media and plug all that you do. Sure. So you can reach me on uh, Twitter at Samsky NYC. Um, you can also reach me on Instagram uh, at Samolski underscore sports if you want just some Instagram videos, uh, just some 90 second good content there. And then you can. Catch all my writing over um, on NBC Sports, um, but I tweet everything out. So just follow me on Twitter. You get all those articles and stuff. You, okay. And you can, you I got to say me. something. Eric. Yeah. Eric has too few followers on Twitter. Okay. I don't know how he has like under 4,000. I looked, I was expecting like 15,000. Go follow Eric, everyone. It's amazing. Sorry. Hey, thanks. Well, remember that like, you know, just like a year ago, I was an English teacher and doing this in my <laughs> spare time. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for these opportunities. Obviously grateful. You know, Nick uh, brought me on to the on the corner podcast where you can listen to Nick and I, um, I took over for Alex fast. Um, and then uh, I'm with Scott Pianowski on the Roto world uh, baseball show. So these are all awesome opportunities that have come my way in the last few months. And I'm super grateful and I'm glad to be chatting here with you guys today. Well-deserved opportunities. We love you, Eric. Definitely go follow Eric on Twitter. These other two guys, they, they've got plenty of Twitter followers. Uh, but Mr. Paul Spore, my co-host on the Sleeper in the Bus, is here as well. How you doing, my friend? Hello. Hi. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to talk some pictures with some great minds. Where can people follow you on social media and then find your work? Uh, at Spore on Twitter. I'm not on there as much, but definitely hit me up. I've been getting on more with the season getting going. Uh, very excited. I can't believe we, we made it through another winter, so I'm very excited. Uh, Fangraphs, obviously, fantasy.fangraphs.com slash rotographs now. You've got all, we got all our rankings up. we got some more articles coming out. we got sleepers coming out next week. Very excited for that. We're doing our preview pods. We're on episode three of Pitchers on Monday, Justin, of what will at least be five, probably six episodes, yeah. let's be honest. We like to get really, really detailed with it at each position. And pitcher, of course, is somewhere where we could probably do ten episodes if we really wanted to, but we'll we'll, cu we'll cut it at six uh, max. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that. And I mean, the season is is here. I mean, it's here. Once that first Dodgers Padres game started, that's the season being here for me. Yeah, uh, we're doing pretty good on our starting pitcher preview. We we've made it through like fifty pitchers in two yeah, episodes. Yeah, I, I actually, would say so. Yeah, that's I great mean, for us. I will yeah. say the next two episodes, you know, th that meat there of those mid-tier pitchers, we're going to have a lot of debates on them. I think those are the ones that could be pretty long and, and interesting, especially. See, this is why he's the best in the business, because we're talking starting pitcher debates right now. Uh, because what I did was I took your guys' starting pitcher ranks, and I put them in a Google sheet for myself, and then I started looking. Which people do you guys disagree on? 
kind of the most. Now I stopped at like the top 100 because uh, I think it, you know at a certain point it just gets ridiculous to just. Sure. Uh, discuss you didn't. You didn't want to compare all of our like 300 to 400. I'm sure we yeah. all all four Where of us. Where do you have Eric like, that deep. Where yeah, do you guys yeah. have Tyler Be- Beatty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna start at the top, um, and then we're just gonna work our way down. The first one I've got is Framber Valdez. Um, now this this whole process is great for me because I haven't finished my starting picture projections, so I get to just yell at you guys for no apparent reason, um, even though you guys can't yell back at me for misranking people. So, uh, Framber Valdez, uh, Eric, you were the low man on mm-hmm. him at starting pitcher twenty five. Paul is the high man at starting pitcher ten. Nick, you're closer to Eric. You're a little bit lower. You're at twenty. Um, so why don't we start with Paul since he's kind of on an island by himself. Why do you have Framber Valdez ranked as a top 10 starting pitcher for this year? I mean, it starts with the volume, of course, with Framber Valdez. I, I really, really love, uh, you know, kind of clocking in that volume. I look at him and Logan Webb as a lefty-righty version of each other, getting that sort of guaranteed innings. It's, as much as anything can be guaranteed, you'll hear me talk about it a lot on the podcast and hear about how nothing's a guarantee with pitching, uh, which is why, you know, I'll, I'll lean talent over maybe a, a deeper track record. At the same time, it's not like Fromber is just eating up innings. He's not... He's not just Kyle Hendricks out there. Uh, no offense to, well, I guess really offense to Kyle Hendricks because I'm saying that his innings aren't as important to me. But Framber Valdez puts quality innings out there. And I think, I think way too much is being made of the second half struggles, which is something that we do a lot. You know, we take kind of the most recent thing, positive or negative, and we'll get into somebody that we're going to take a real positive aspect on their second half, maybe a little bit too far. And I think just too much is being made of it. You know, he finished, he's 16th in ADP right now, which is obviously still lower than where I've got him, but it's a top 20 projection for the year. Um, and you're looking at that stable floor in the top 10 too. I want upside with the floor mix. Could I get 200 innings of a low three ZRA great whip and a ton of wins on Houston? Yes. Uh, am I, am I almost certain as long as he stays healthy to get 180 innings of a mid three ZRA, a good whip and, and plenty of wins? Yes. And so I'm just going to stick with Framber Valdez. And after kind of a lot of those shinier guys uh, at the top end, he and Webb round out my top 10. All right, Eric, your rebuttal. Yeah. Um, so I get what Paul's saying. I need much more ceiling if I'm going to put him in my top 10. Um, for Logan Webb, I view them differently because I I feel more confident in Logan Webb's ratios. I understand that Framber has shown similar ratios in the past. I feel more confident that I will get those ratios from Logan Webb. Also, um, I know that Framber Valdez wasn't a full-time starter for his entire career, so we take these numbers with a grain of salt, but he has two seasons with over 135 innings. They happen to be the last two seasons. They happen to be the two seasons that he has gotten a full run as a starting pitcher. So we're not saying he can't throw that volume, but he doesn't have as long of a track record of volume as some of the guys that we're, we're bumping up into the top 10 because I feel really Ooh. good about their innings. I feel I solid about Fram- I feel solid about Framber's innings, but I don't, I, we don't have a track record of him throwing consistently years and years deep innings it's just something the, to keep in mind that's the not overall that's not my big one push guy back. okay well I'll, I'll let you go let me interrupt though the overall number one guy has like five minutes in the league and spencer strider well, yeah, he so said some, not well, I, well but also, i'm looking at yeah. a bunch of them you Str- know, strider's Kirby's also my strider's my number two but yes um but i i hear you yes and then um, also the one other also, thing before you get to your main is point. 30 years old 
Strider okay. is much younger with a shorter track record. Valdez sure. is going to be 31 this season with only two years of throwing over 135 innings. The, the counter to that is there's not as much mileage on his arm as somebody who is 31 and has years and years. But I'm, I'm just saying I, I don't feel as – I feel more confident saying I'm going to get X number of innings from Logan Webb versus I'm going to get 180 out of Framber. I don't think it's a bad bet at all by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just talking about the comparison between Logan Webb and Framber Valdez for me. Sure. I mean, the three years younger helps. That's why I have Webb one spot higher. The one thing I disagree with the most that you said is about ceiling. Uh, Framber had 201 innings of a 282 well, ERA and a 116 whip in 2022. I mean, what well, more so ceiling do you need out of a, out of a top 10 well, guy? I need him to have not changed his cutter last year and had that cutter get absolutely ab obliterated. Um, he threw his cutter two and a half miles per hour harder last year after it was a dominant pitch for him in 2022 and then if you go to this i don't know if you've heard of this website it's uh, called pitcherlist.com um, and they have these really great metrics um, like an icr rate which is the ideal contact rate which is barrels plus solid contact plus flares and burners over total batted ball events for the the icr on framber's cutter was 41.7 percent last year um, that is 42nd percentile in all of baseball. In 2022, the ICR on it was just 27%. That pitch got crushed last year. So I need to see if he's keeping last year's cutter or if he's going back to the 2022 cutter because those pitches perform drastically differently for me. And then I still also see a guy who throws a sinker 49% of the time, and the sinker also gave up a 40.6% ICR last year. So two of his three pitches that are his like bread and butter pitches got hit really hard. Now, I understand that it he still performed to a solid ERA and his whip was still 113. I mean, that's really good. But I just... I, for me, don't have the confidence to put somebody as an SP1 who gives up that much hard contact because to me that there's there's a fine line that that's going to blow up. I think Framber Valdez with a slightly above average swinging strike rate is a 25% K rate pitcher and a mid three ERAs guy. And I have no problem with that. But to me, that's an SP2. Fantastic floor. Sure. But, but that's an SP2 for me is I, I like that floor. Nick, break the tie here. Hi. Um, well, I, I think there needs to be some clarification here because I do very much recognize in deeper leagues there is a floor that is going to be weighted higher in like a 15-teamer. And Spore, please correct me if I'm wrong. Are you ranking this as a 15 or a 12? I mean, I generally focus on 15. I would take him that high in a 12-teamer. Okay, too. so you would still put him at 10 and 12. I just want, I don't yeah, want to assume I, anything. I, okay. I, I just, I don't really... Sure. Like, I respect all the data that Eric just brought. I think it was just a lot of different ways of saying that he had some bad starts down the stretch because that's that's really what it was. We're making a lot out of, like, five bad starts. Well, well okay, the, I just agree with that sentiment, the whole by season. the way. Uh, I mean, that? yeah, I, I don't agree with that sentiment about I'm just only judging Valdez. Otherwise, I'd put him at 10 if it weren't for those five bad starts at the end of the year. Uh, I, I'm more on the side of Eric in that I, I'm very much of, hey, what do you have to offer that should showcase being you know an elite starter consistently and everything like that when it comes to the arsenal of valdez it's this sinker that actually performed way worse against right handers overall not just in those five starts throughout the year than it did in 2022 as well um the cutter he stopped using against right handers and it drove me up the wall and again as eric mentioned i don't know if that's going to be there at the same time like 
he is going to be helpful on your teams. There is a really nice floor here. I very much get that. The idea of putting him in the top 10 for me, you got to have someone who at least could be close to like a one whip, like at least have that ceiling to do that. I feel like everyone in my top 10 has that ceiling to push the needle in such a big way that and also has a floor that I'm very, very happy with. And I don't feel that Valdez has that kind of ceiling of like a sub three ERA with a one whip and like a 25 to 30% K rate that pretty much everyone else does in my top 10. And that's why I'm moving away with it. At the same time, I have him at 20. I originally had him actually close to where 25 uh, is for Eric. But then I was like, you know what? He's on the Astros. He's going to get these good wins, even though last year was kind of weird. 12 wins. What the heck? What are they? Um, and it should be productive. It's just, you know, it, it really depends on what you want to go for in your drafts. Do you want to go for that larger one? You know, I could see him up to 15 because I have some guys that like 13, 14, 15 are more risky and then less, you know, safe. Um, but I also see that they have the higher ceiling potential than Valdez does. So it's up to you. So um, but yeah, I wouldn't put him up. What to is 10. your split him with 20. him? Look, and when? Let me, I favor let, more on the 25 side than I do on the 10 side. Let me just jump in because we're going to move on to the next starting pitcher. You guys all made good points. Nick and Eric are right here. Uh, Paul is just a little bit too high on Valdez. Well, there's Love no right him. or wrong. It's just all. Fun. No, there is a right or wrong. I am the judge, <laughs> the jury, and the executioner on this. I got to uh, be honest. Also- like every time Justin says I'm wrong, I feel so good about my position. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. All right, fair. Uh, one that uh, another one that we've got uh, going higher up in the draft is Pablo Lopez. Nick, you have him ranked fifth overall. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you're pretty close with uh, at six overall. Paul down at eleven. Now, obviously, we are you know splitting hairs because we're just you know a few ranks apart this high. But Nick, tell me why you love Pablo Lopez so much. Is it because you had him on his podcast? Does that yeah, bump him right. up five spots? <sighs> I wrestle with that so much because it's like I actually go into it being okay cool Nick you need to inherently just lower him because I am going to be biased it's like how could I not I'm hearing a guy talk about all the things I want to, him to say and then he's encouraged by it how can I believe him that he's going to be great but also they're going to be their biggest fans too so you know you have to gr- take everything with a grain of salt with that stuff um, but I had this ranking there before I talked to him and yeah, I, I rankings this is I. Uh, this is something that has to do with um, not necessarily what the end result was of, you know, three, six, six year last year, one fifteen whip. And you see that and you go, Oh, that's actually pretty similar to the 2022 of a three twenty, sorry, three seventy five year and a one seventeen whip. And I was actually really surprised to see that uh, the, the, those final marks from him, because I remember in the entire season, I remember actually in the beginning, it was like, this isn't working for some reason. Why isn't this working? But then you realize, wait, right, 29% strikeout rate. Right, he increases velocity on his four-seamer. Wow, the hit for nine went up, but he has a much better arsenal than he's ever had. And I look back and I remember, right, in previous years, he was always like the slow threes-ish hinting guy um, with really a change-up focus and good four-seamer command, not much else. And all of a sudden last year, we saw the full arsenal. Um, We saw a four-seamer that actually... I believe it was third highest swing strike rate in the majors of four seamers. And we had tied for fourth of total strikeouts. Um, We had a new sweeper that is legitimate. That is finally a proper put away pitch against right handers. He still has his changeup and he was even saying, yeah, the changeup is always there, which it is. And I love the fact that he leans into that changeup because it's just filthy to both right handers and left handers. Uh, He has a sinker that he uses correctly um, inside a right hander. He's actually made some adjustments to use it more so early in counts to get those quicker outs later in the second half, which of course he performed better at. So 
he has all the tools. It's all there now with the velocity you want uh, that you didn't have before. The better put-away pitch. Good situation inside of Minnesota. And I see 11 wins last year, which is going to lower him on the player rater that you saw. That should change. I understand the probably the biggest pushback is, well, he had the shoulder problems in 2021. It's 102 innings then. He had 180 in 2022, uh, 194 last year. I mean, I, I, you know, we're talking about Spore that like how many guys do we really believe the track record in? It's really hard to break the, predict this stuff. I generally try to avoid a lot of the volume games because the volume games are so ridiculous last year. There are only 15 starters of the top 31 in ADP that made 25 or more starts. That's it. Under half did. Now, obviously, some that were more obvious, like DeGrom, didn't make those, you know, right? But... So a lot of the ones that we thought were like Max Free was the safest one. No. Um, and considering you have two straight years of it, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm not really going to ding him in any way in this in this fashion. He's going to go every five days and go six innings. Really complete arsenal. Has strikeouts. Fantastic command. He should be better than a 115. Whip. Easily should be one better than a 360 easily. It's all there. Um, I don't really, I see like a, the more and the more complete pitchers in the draft. So I'm a huge fan. All right, Paul, rebuttal if you have one. I mean, no, obviously I really like him. I've got, I've got, uh, Pablo Lopez up pretty high as well. Um, you know, you mentioned the shoulder and it is probably the one thing that kind of lingers with him because he did have multiple years of it. He's now shown some health for two years. I do like to bet on, uh, you know, on talent and, and kind of take the health risk, uh, you know, cause he had the shoulder in 19 and 21, but then last year, 180, 194. I think my concern is why maybe I don't have him quite inside the top 10 and in that top five area is just that I'm not sure he's going to hold all 7% of the strikeout minus walk surge that he got. Um, and I'm not going to, I, I don't fully ignore the shoulder history, but again, it's 11. It's just, a small difference here although he is eighth in adp so i guess at 11 i'm not getting him a ton um unless he falls a little bit obviously adp is just as average so when he gets to the lower end of his register for pablo lopez i'm more apt to get him so i'm on board with him i like what minnesota's been doing with pitchers i think they've really become a bastion of uh you know pitching that i don't think they're going to really miss a beat without sonny gray this year i think you plug in bailey ober there and let him take over that spot and they're going to be just fine and lopez can lead the charge varlin please show up varlin i'd like to see varlin as well big i hope so a tony disco well i just want to He's got that spot right now. Unfortunately, Tony Disco does. But, you know, there, there's there's Disco's health track record, of course, and performance. There's Chris Paddock's health, which I like Paddock. I'm I'm hoping for health with him. But, like, know, you know, let's I be know. honest. Um, and so I think Varlin will get his opportunity. He's still somebody I want to draft. You know, if you're still doing draft champions, get on him. Yeah. And look at the way they treated Ober last year. They probably wouldn't sure. turn Varlin loose even if there was a spot open. So we're probably mm-hmm. better off, like, waiting for them to unleash him on the league in late yeah, May, possible. early June, and then we get him for the stretch run. Yeah. So I'm with you on the Varlin love. I just, I just am going to have to play the waiver wire game, which is annoying. Yeah. I just want to be able to draft him and be like, aha. I agree. But sorry, Eric, the you're leagues, you, you can't draft him. You're, you're right. Go ahead. Well, I was just, just going to point out um, the only thing I'll add on Pablo, because you guys covered almost everything. You know, Paul mentioned not weighing second halves too much. I think it's important to also note, and he didn't mention that for Pablo, but just as a, as a kind of like a general standard, when pitchers have new pitches in their arsenal, I think we have to expect that there are, there's an adjustment period, 
right? So like if you were to look at Pablo Lopez's splits during the year, his worst months came at the beginning of the year and then his best months came towards the end. And I think there is some sense of like getting comfortable with new pitches, feeling, you know, the, you know, whether it's the grips or the release points or whatever and getting more acclimated to it and it becoming something that becomes more second nature. So this is just a general comment. It's not like Pablo specific, but when you are looking at those splits, if you're looking first half, second half or whatever, try to see if there's a reason why the second half may have been better rather than just he had a good he had a good run. Sometimes that could be oh, he's throwing a new pitch and that pitch got much better as the year went on and that makes sense and then that second half boost might actually make more sense than you just picking 10 games at random of a pitcher and saying, oh, he was great in the second half of the year. So it is a little bit of a case-by-case basis when you're looking at splits like that. Somewhat interestingly, um, his whip was a decent bit worse. It was the ERA boost from 389 to 336 for Pablo Lopez, but then the whip went from 109 to 124. So he kind of had a mix and match second half there. That's really funny. We have a new stack called Striker. You might have seen it on the site, which is pretty much just like you you throw off Called what? I'm sorry? Striker. Uh, strike okay. minus ICR rate, uh, and essentially says, "Hey, do you throw lots of strikes? Cool. Are those strikes that are are those strikes punishing you or like good contact and play?" Papa Lopez, uh, he had the sixth best uh, striker whip, and actually we found that it is it correlates better to whip than whip itself for the next year. And his relative whip last year would have been 108, according to strike minus ICR rate, which is kind of fun. Can, so can, can I ask something fun. about the website? Um, but, about the website, offer. yeah, please. Um, can you get rid of decimals? They're worthless. <laughs> I'm not trying to get rid of them. I will try inside of... Uh, or or inside even of, offer it as like a PL plus thing. I, I, I think that's hate. an interesting idea. I will try to see if we can do something like that just to have a different rounding um, for and, you And guys. I would also yeah, uh, that's ask a fun idea. podcasters get rid of them. They just... Yeah, that's actually one of the things that's sports... I refuse. I refuse. No, so listen, I'm not... Be serious for one second, Justin. Like they're, they're worthless. All the time. They, they make listening to a podcast more difficult for... for at least for stupid I people like myself. I make Podcast so, more difficult and Spore gave story. me this advice, I think, one of the, after one of the first podcasts we ever did. At first, I said, absolutely not. People respect the fact that I am as accurate as I am with it. And that's I the showcase the that I do this. And now I completely agree. Just it say, makes, like, hey, cool, he had around a 24% or whatever. And it's so yeah. much smoother. You get the point across. Yeah. As long as, you know, uh, and as long as you feel like it's, you're not it's, proving it's, that you know the things. Like if you know the things, just like people be like, yeah, cool, 24%. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm not as smart as you guys, and I can't round on the fly. Well, no, my my point is that like I'm an idiot. So when I'm listening, I just think the extra number's a little bit of clutter. And then as far as the website thing, that one's less important, obviously. But maybe if it was an option, if it was something where you could go in and and say how many decimals you want. With everybody's support. I just had it on my mind right now. Sorry. I didn't want to derail everything. Move on to the next I want to talk about Tariq Skubal, who Tarek's actually gonna. Oh, okay. I've been saying three. That's my bad. So, Tarek's Google. Eric is the high man. He wasn't when I first posted this uh, rundown. I saw him in there updating about five minutes. uh, Yeah. Well, I put put my updates as in, like, I will change it. (laughs) I I appreciate that, uh, uh, Nick. But Eric is the uh, high man on him at number 13. Paul's right there at number 14. Nick. Hi. have him at 25 but you're going to be moving up no up yeah i've already okay so i want to explain this so, yeah go ahead please explain. um so a couple of the concerns i had about Tarek scoobal was we saw really like the biggest thing that happened when he came back from not tommy john it's flexor tendon surgery 
was, whoa, you're like 95, 96 now. I'm like almost pretty much sitting 96 after being around 94 before. And that completely changed them as a pitcher. Uh, where all of a sudden this four seamer performed as best as like any four seamer in the majors. And that meant that he had like hundredth percentile, like FIP and Sierra and everything like that. It was just ridiculous. Um, strike rate was also a hundredth percentile essentially. And so it was, you know, the success of it. It's insane. And at first I was like, okay, well, this is kind of typical. Actually, a guy comes back from a long while and they have a ton of adrenaline and that is fueling uh, their velocity for a moment. And then the full season after they generally fall back down. Well, we got an early report that he hit 100 in a bullpen. I hate the word hitting when it comes to sit, uh, to spring training. The word that we want is sitting because hitting happens all the time. We don't really talk about like max. We talk about what are they consistently at? However, if you hit 100, you likely aren't sitting 94. That, that, that's all. So, okay, I'm recognizing that the velocity, one of the concerns I had about Scooble is likely going to be there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That said, when it comes to the arsenal of Scooble, I, I'm not totally sold that his four-seamer is this elite. Um, one of the major things that I've been working on this offseason is actually taking the time to really study pitch shape and what it means. And it's something that has been a very big flaw in my analysis for a while. I would more look at the results of it and just say, well, the results are a product of whatever the shape is. But it there, it's such a valuable thing to understand ebbs and flows and just kind of like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's location-focused, sometimes it's stuff-focused. And Scooble's four-seamer is surprisingly not elite when it comes to shape. It doesn't have good vert. He doesn't have great uh, VAA. He doesn't have amazing extension. It was really the velocity that put him over the hump that made this a much better pitch than we've seen before. Now, the changeup is excellent. The changeup is phenomenal. I'm not going to say anything bad about that. I think that's the pitch that ties it all together. And generally, if you have ways to defeat right-handers more than left-handers, you're going to be more successful than fail in the majors because you're going to face more right-handers. So this is very good. His best pitch really is that changeup to go with that four-seamer. The problem is that there isn't anything else. And the slider is more of this cutter pitch, which is fine. But I thought it would be more of a big pitch for him. And considering I have some concerns about the four-seamer performing at the same level, like a 76% strike rate with a 35% ICR last year is like, whoa, that's one of the better striker pitches because you're throwing so many strikes and you're not allowing all this damage to it. Um, I don't think that holds up over a larger sample. And then it becomes a good fastball with an excellent changeup and then other things that aren't quite there. I've heard word about him getting a new slider. I'm excited for that because then he can get a proper weapon against lefties and then maybe mm-hmm. things, maybe actually as a gyro that can actually go down and in to, uh, to right-handers. That's cool. I haven't seen it yet. So Tarek Scoble could be someone I push up gradually throughout the spring. It's why it's already 25 to 20. I understand the 13-14 rank. I guess I'm just a little more tepid on the four-seamer, and I feel like it's going to come down in results, and thus I don't quite know how it impacts the rest of the arsenal when that four-seamer doesn't perform at the same rate. I'm not really going to negatively attribute the schedule he had that much. I don't really want to lean too much into that. Um, He does have a negative 10 hitter performance, which essentially says that the hitters he faced performed worse than average against his pitches. But that aside, smaller sample, whatever. Uh, That's the reason why he isn't at 13-14. I'm not as confident as the full arsenal as other guys in the top 15 right now. About what you brought up there? Yeah, please. If if the velo is up and he's sitting like 97, 97 and a half. Oh, man. How much could that 
um, oh yeah, that's uh, push huge. through the shape issues. Yeah, absolutely. Velocity is king at the end of the day. You see like Hunter Green at like 98 yeah. and change. And the reason it does get hit is because it's not a terrible, bad extension, bad VA, not yeah. really good vert. And that's but it gives why. Them a margin but it's forever. still a good pitch, right? Yep. So yep. like velocity is king. And that's why it's like 96, 97. It's fine. Jesus Lazardo is a perfect example mm-hmm. of like, that is a not a good shape, but it works enough. It's not okay. overwhelming though. And yeah. that's a, that's a kind of the best comp I can kind of give here for Tarek Skubles. That's why I'm so shocked at, at its marks at the moment. Uh, but the thing is, Lazardo has, a, I think, a better slider and a better changeup. But Skubles four-seamer performed better. So maybe there's more things I'm missing there. I guess why I want a larger sample. I'm not quite sold that like, oh, he's a dope stud now. We should jump in. Yeah, that's the that's only fair. reason why I'm not up to like 13, 14. But I can understand it. If I'm being honest, like I have some trepidation about my own ranking on him. You know, I didn't yeah. rank him there as a Tigers home or anything. Everyone knows I love no, the Tigers, but I don't, I don't rank guys based on being on my favorite team, but I do have some, some nerves about it. And I even in my write up, I wrote about how like, um, I have glass now Miller and, uh, Scooble at 12, 13, 14. And I can't yeah. remember the last time I had a 12, 13, 14 that had like a combined 250 innings or whatever the heck it was. Like, this is not a high total for a 12, 13, 14 ranking. So I don't want to aggressively defend this if, if Eric wants to say anything to the to the Scoobles point. Otherwise, we can move on because I, like I, I take a lot of what... This year. Pardon me, I'm sorry? No, this is Eric's article. Almost like the top 20 starters are like less secure than ever before. Oh, yeah. They, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree you more. You can Go check ahead, that out on NBCSports.com. I did just write a whole breakdown um, of why it seems like the top 20 starters are worse than they have it's ever been. And in some ways, accurate. they are. Um, but then the yeah, next me, 20 is actually really yes. amazing well, to kind of make up. Nick, Go ahead. I'm Nick sorry. and I were talking about that. It's like we loved the depth. I mean, it's like Bradish gone, Senga gone. And then you're like, yeah, oh, that's okay. true. <laughs> two, uh, two big I hits already. We'll see, we we'll we always love the depth until everybody gets Until hurt. there's no depth. We, we yeah. said the exact same thing still, last there's still, year. There's still and so then we depth. lost yeah. like Rasmussen in Springs. Yeah, but we got like 90 people of depth this year. We'll probably lose a few more. Go ahead, Eric. So I was just saying the movement on Scooble for me was I had him at the bottom of a tier of those guys like Bobby Miller, Grayson Rodriguez, Freddie Peralta, like guys who all have like really high upside, but question marks of various degrees, whether it's track record or Freddie Peralta's like, you know, um, innings, health, whatever. Um, And I do think that the fastball velocity made me at the moment bump him just to the top of that same tier for me because I felt like one of the bigger things was, is he going to maintain that velocity? The only other thing that we should bring up, um, which Nick pointed out to me and I didn't even realize it, was the schedule last year for Scooble is another question mark for me because he made only 15 starts. The last eight of them came against the Guardians, the Cubs, the Yankees, two against the White Sox, one against the Angels, one against the Athletics, and one against the Royals. And he had a 188 ERA and a 37% strikeout rate against those eight garbage offenses. Um, and that's not to say he, he wouldn't have done that against good offenses, but it's to say that more than half of his season last year was the final eight games against below-average teams. So how much did that impact what we saw there's no way to know that for sure. It's all guessing. And that's why I had some hesitation on him before, in addition to all the stuff Nick said. And that's still why, like, if you look at just his numbers, he should be inside the top 10 because last year he was really good. So exactly. these are all the hesitations that put him in the next 10 for me. Th- that's why I'm fine with not giving any credence to the schedule thing, like you guys are saying, because he'd be higher if we didn't care about it. 
Yeah. Be, because I think he finished with 80 innings. I think Tarek Skubal finished, uh, let me see, what was it? Uh, 15th well, going, last year. Yeah, going to seven wins the auction calculator. games helps. But yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. So yeah, I think even our rankings, mine and Eric's, where we're higher, is saying like, don't get too hung up on that schedule stuff. But the fastball stuff is very interesting. I totally agree on the slider, the lack of a, a big pitch against lefties. Eager to see what he does in spring. But let's go ahead and yeah. keep going on yeah. these next guys because I want to make sure because we talk about I'm, most of these. I'm going to skip a few real quick because uh, we've – otherwise, we I don't know why I thought we'll we'd him. get through. Wait, wait, no, yeah, no, let's, no, let's, no, 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 keep going. No. It's my get, show. I'm in charge. I don't here. want you to skip the good ones. I don't trust I, your judgment. I know what I know what Nick you, is going to say about the next yeah. one. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk oh. about Cole Reagans real quick because uh, I'm assuming that is who Nick was on the phone with uh, before we got started. I, I don't um, want to skip Musgrove though. I need to know why they got right. in top twenty. I'm assuming Paul's argument against Musgrove is health. Um, which yeah. is so that's uh, just a health conversation. If you want to believe that he's health, I understand why. I, I honestly think it was a situation where he didn't have really get into rhythm, was pushed a little bit too much. That's why he had the shoulder thing initially. That's why uh in the in the elbow thing, but like it's not it's not like a tear like it is other guys. He's healthy now of all under all indications. And I don't I really don't think I'm concerned about it. Yeah. If we re- if we remember the reason his season started late was because he dropped a weight on his foot. Um, which again, not a, a pitching related injury. And then that caused some of those like ramp up injuries and, yeah. and coming back too soon and you know, extent like pitching too many innings or pitching, you know, ramping up too quickly. Um, so I think last year, like Nick, to me in my ranking, last year is a little bit of a fluke health wise. He had thrown at least 170 innings and in three straight full seasons. So I feel like getting 170 innings out of Musgrove is a pretty safe bet in my eyes. And no, I don't care at all about how bad he looked in his first spring training start. Like, oh, I, I don't not register. No, no one does. Yeah, yeah, just for the people yeah. that are listening. Like, I'm more I don't, concerned that he's never really been a top 20 guy. So that's kind of my thing. Well, I, I like him in that in that 25 to 30 range a little bit more, which is I mean, sweating yeah, so but if you but if you're, him. But again, that's 25 to 30 without DeGrom, Scherzer, McClanahan, Woodruff, like all these guys that were used to ranking ahead of him. Sure, so but other guys moving in. Yeah, yeah, it's worth talking I mean, about without like he's not saying the nebulous twenty five thirty. He's just saying it's just those guys. But yeah, I, I see right. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's all. Let's talk about Cole Reagans because <laughs> uh Nick, you love Cole Reagans. You yeah, have dude. him as your starting pitcher fourteen. I'm not like tempted. I'm tempted to put him like eleven or something stupid. Yeah. Uh yeah. Paul. You hate Cole Reagan's extra nature. That's Reagan. actually ADP, believe it or not. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm right at ADP. Uh, I have absolutely love Cole Reagan. You, you are right in the middle. Uh, Nick, Raise your hand uh, if he was a breakout pick for you on your uh, last May. I mean, last uh, March. Uh, I could not. How about, have how about after game. one start with the Royals? That's all I got. Yeah. I have no thing started. How about yeah? I'm being, I'm being a hipster during the during the the rotation breakdowns, and then also when he threw four innings at 96 in relief in April. Yeah, I was like, oh boy. All right, Nick, talk. Hi, about we're, we're the true Reagan's hipsters here. Um, so here's the thing. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Hold on. Just got it. It's a little hot. <laughs> For those who are listening later, podcast a little hot. Uh, uh, Nick has a Reagan's oh, yeah. T-shirt on. Uh, <laughs> Currently. Uh, okay. So anyway, um, 
It's Cole Reagan's look. Obviously, it seems like Nick, you're just obsessed with this guy. You're pushing him up because of it. And I, I had him lower because of this. I, again, I gotta always. I'm always someone that has like the pendulum swings, and I need to pull it all the way back, and then make sure that I want to push it back again. And I, uh, you know, I see. I understand all the reasons not to like Cole Reagan's look. This came out of nowhere, right? All of a sudden, he does this in the second half, and like, is that sustainable? He has those walk issues that we saw. The Royals, how many wins are you going to get with them? Are they actually going to help him when he's hurt because or not going well during the season because of development? Uh, they let him in too long at games, all this kind of stuff, the injury history. All of those are valid reasons to say like, hey, I'm going to turn away from this. You know, I think actually before we even talking, uh, we all had a group chat together and Sport was bringing up the point like, look, like we got really in on the guy after eight innings before. And that was back when we started the fireside chat. And that was Luis Castillo. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for me to understand that I know all of those arguments. I thought about those and I left them down. And I want to explain really quickly why I'm kind of thinking that these other arguments are better, at least for me. So I call him the unicorn. Um, And when it comes to guys that I really like, and want to lead on in my season. Uh, there are a couple major qualities. One, I want someone that I know is going to go every five days and allowed to go at least six innings and with a high pitch count. The Royals are doing that. Absolutely. He has full reign, all the leash. Like last year, they even gave him too long of a leash at times, you could say. So that's great. If you want to talk about the injury history, I call it 1.5 Tommy Johns. He even called it that before I did. Yep. Because he said, look, I was going through Tommy John and then it was still bothering me. And instead of trying to go through it, I just said, I just want to get this done once correctly. And that's it. And I think he's getting a bad rap for that because it's like we push aside Tommy John for everybody and we're fine with it. And then all of a sudden now him, he's not. I don't know. Um, There's a worry about the velocity jump, which I can understand uh, that. Oh, no, it's this extra uh, extra element to him. Put whatever you want about that. I love his velocity, though. It's all of a sudden 96. And by all signs, it's like he was saying that he's working harder at it. And I feel like it's going to be slightly even better this next year. Uh, Also, when it comes to guys that have like these wonderful moments and then they fall off the next year, the most common reason is command. And I do not believe that Cole Reagans is a bad command pitcher. I think he's a nibbler. I think there were also moments last year that you see the nine to 10% walk rate. And you think, oh, he's uh, he's just going to be a bad control guy. He's not. He actually got uh, a lot of starts that he should have been removed in. There's that ridiculous one in uh, the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. There's the one against the Astros too. Both of those, yeah, I think he had five walks between those two ridiculous moments. Mm-hmm. And you remove that and then it's like, oh, cool. It's like an 8% walk rate and everything like that and change. Like you're fine all of a sudden with Cole Reagans. Uh, also... The other element that you see that is not really uh, that, that a lot of guys fall to the next year when we get really in on them from a small sample is they don't have the arsenal depth. They don't have uh, a ton of things. There's just like one pitch that really succeeded. And then if that one falls, then everything fails. You know, Reagan's has five. It's a four seamer that we saw above 100 at times last year. Uh, we saw a cutter that uh, at 92 that he attacks inside of right handers, a gyro slider that works against both lefties and righties we saw a curveball he throws for strikes and a legit changeup that he's willing to throw in three two counts and i just looked at this entire draft pool and i thought to myself wait this is like the one of the most dominating pitchers i've seen in years i uh, i am so buying in on this like it, it, it's a guy that actually utilizes these pitches correctly and he's, it's not like a chucker it's not a guy who's just there right, i'm just going to throw this i don't really know what i'm doing i've i've talked to pitchers and a lot of them 
uh, after the interview, I'm like, no, I am not interested in that guy because they're just like not really in tune with what they're doing. They're not really planning out well. They're they don't they're not really necessarily great tacticians with it. They just kind of listen to whatever is going on. They just check it. Reagan's has a notebook. He's like doing this stuff. He is very much in tune with it. This work with Tread is very good, and they're fine tuning and tweaking and doing all this stuff. I, I look. I just see it as there are a lot of guys that we're excited about. There's Yuri Perez is a good example. He has obvious flaws of like four seamer that needs to be located differently. His slider is not a Perez. big moving one. Um, yeah, Yuri Perez, you have a curveball that you can't throw for strikes, and that's really it. The changeup is terrible. And like there's not depth to us. Reagan's has five pitches and he utilizes them correctly. And he clearly has the ceiling. We we saw it. And this is it. This is like the thing you want. So I I just see this as like, yeah, he's he's gonna be a stud. And I know that there's risk of like, well, I'm only basing on 80 innings, but like the second that he started with the elements that he had, that's him. He's there. And I'm I'll very add, much ready to jump in. I'll add very quickly before Paul goes in, because I'm not going to add much more than that, is that I think there's a perception, and not necessarily from Paul, but there's a perception in general that Reagan's came out of nowhere. Um, and it's important to understand that like he was a first-round pick. He was a high-prospect you know, pedigree guy who battled the one-and-a-half Tommy Johns that Nick was talking about. And then kind of like is a little bit late in his development because as somebody has said many times prospect growth is is not linear and so he didn't really come out of nowhere um he was derailed a little bit and i also i have i know people who work inside the texas rangers organization who told me they were extraordinarily high on him and so to me that just adds even more of like a personal vote of self-confidence that like what we saw wasn't random. Even the organization that dealt him away was like, he's going to be really good. They just made a move they thought they needed to make. That's it for me. It is weird that they got a lefty when maybe they could have just used him as that lefty. Yeah. That's okay. Um, well, he didn't have a no, slider was, yet. The I know. I know. It, it was he, also a pen. They, they wanted somebody. Well, I'm saying use him in the bullpen. Sure. I'm, like they, I'm not like trying to roast the, the mm -hmm. Rangers for that. You know, they, they made a move. They were going for they it. The World they got one of the, yeah, they won the World Series. They got one of the best lefty relievers of his era, even though he's not at that same height right now. Um, and now the Royals come. I, I'm not going to try to really argue against him. I have him at ADP. I'm, I'll take Reagan's. I've been promoting Reagan's just as long. Um, I'm just not, I don't think I'm paying 14 for a Royals starter though, too, because you still do have to factor kind of the win potential. Sure. And, you know, even if you have some confidence in the Royals offense, which Justin has definitely discussed and I agree with, um, I'm just, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure they're going to fully take care of him. I guess my question for Nick is, are, are you, you know, are you putting this to the test? Are you paying that price point for him? Yep. Cause I understand sometimes, you know, you rank somebody somewhere like where well, I got Fromber, I don't have to pay 10. Right. I have right. him there. That's me kind of saying I like him, but I don't have to pay top 10 ADP for him. Um, I do do try to make sure I get him. Where are you on that? Yeah, are that's a really good question. 14, that's one of the hardest things pitcher? we do, right? Because yeah. it's like, I like this guy more than others, but then you look at the strategy like, well, you don't need to get him here, theoretically. But it but only takes one other person to ruin That's you. the thing. Mm -hmm. And also... There's just no feeling worse than not getting your guy, you know? Exactly. So, so where, yeah, I am actually doing this. I did a mock okay. draft over the weekend or this past week 
where at the turn I took Bobby uh, as 12 in a uh, 12 turn. So five and six turn, I took Bobby Miller and Cole Reagans. I absolutely Ooh, love that. And uh, that's just like me having the most fun ever because I love both of those guys. I'm both yep. in my top 15. Huge. So I'm fan. doing that. I'm not letting Good. myself, you know, that ranking is like, yeah, I'm drafting him before Max Freed, before Freddie yeah, Peralta. Don't, before don't play games with it stuff. or else yep. you won't get, especially for you specifically, people are going to know and they're going to want to take him from you. Yeah. So I think with this ranking, they don't care. It's fun. Oh. <laughs> with, with this ranking specifically in industry leagues or NFBC stuff that you yeah. might do, people are going to want to kind of get him from you. So I, yeah. I respect that you're going to pay that actual oh, price. He's a, oh. a week from tomorrow, Nick and I will be sitting across the table from each other at labor. No, you're going to be on my left, buddy. Don't worry. Okay. So I will be on Nick's left. And my first throw will be Cole Reagan's just to right? put Nick to the test. Probably. That's actually going to be great for me. So yeah. if you follow Ariel Cohen's uh, market exactly. uh, auction draft strategies, um, one of the major things I learned is that you get your values in like the first two passes because Sometimes. everyone's trying to, the, everyone doesn't want to overspend on that one. So, uh, so unless it's the, yeah, Nick's right. Unless it's like the bona fide, like Acuna can still go like 70 when people are going crazy. But a, a player like, like Reagan's, you might actually be doing him a favor by throwing yeah. him out very, very Hey, you're fresh. my buddy. I want to do you a favor. There you go. All right. There you go. I'll we do it myself. Have, we, have, we have like 10 minutes left. And Rapid we have fire. Like a crap ton of names to get through. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna put you guys on like a 30-second clock for your, for your answer. Uh, let's talk Shane Bieber. Uh, Eric, you are the high man at 35. Paul, you're a little bit behind Eric, but just a little bit. We're basically bit at tied. 40. Yeah. Nick, you have him all the way down at 63. I'm going to let Eric talk first because he, I don't want well, Before Eric get. goes, can you ask Nick if anything changes with the velo discussion? I need to see it. Okay. That Look, was a pen ahead, where he's probably and, going max effort. I need to see it. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. and I and I already made the change. So that that's where the the change went for me. Um, Rob Silver put out a really great tweet going through Bieber's whole career at certain velocities. Um, when his fastball is sub ninety three, he has a three ninety one ERA with a twenty one percent K minus walk rate. When it's ninety three, it's a two eighty one ERA with a twenty nine percent K minus walk rate, and then if it's ninety four above, it's a one forty seven ERA with a thirty four percent K minus walk rate. So we have a long track record of velocity being crucially important for Bieber. Um, he's in a contract year, went to drive line. Um, the velocity is apparently up. I also was like, how is this dude only twenty eight years old? I don't yeah. understand. I feel like he's been around forever. Um, and we've also never seen Bieber with velocity and the cutter because the cutter was something he kind of brought in to compensate for the lack of velocity. Mm. So I made this ranking right now, assuming that the velocity at least holds at 93 or slightly above. Um, and maybe that's too early to make that move. But that's why I, I jumped him up where I did. I'm a believer. So let Nick speak on him and we move to the next All one. Right. I mean, the very quick thing there is also don't forget, it's not just velocity that dipped. It's also the swing strike rates on his breaking stuff. And yeah. he needs to actually get those back too. Otherwise, he's going to still live in 20% strikeout land. I actually am a believer that like the the vert on it is good. And he, he actually went to a little too high on it. He's actually a pitcher that would make really good for down and away four seamers. Just steal those called strikes, which he has in the past. So that could work. I absolutely could. I just want to see him do that stuff. Um, and 63, honestly, is fine with me because it's, they're essentially it's past the point of like, I don't know if he's going to be good enough for my teams to actually hold through the entire year in a 12 teamer. And then there are so many super fun upside guys. I'll know right away. Bieber to be like so much better than those needs to he like show me that velocity too, first. Though. 
We have to. Well, if he has, is ninety-three in, the, in spring. That yes. was a brand new thing. So we'll see. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to Reed Detmers, who Paul has at forty-seven, and Eric has at ninety-one, and Nick just added in that he's got him at eighty-one. Is that what? That yes. Is? All right, uh, Paul. Why do you love Reed Detmers? I mean, I kind of always have loved Reed Detmers. I kind of think, you know, he is a a great example of the prospect growth isn't linear type of situation where we've seen him kind of bounce around a bit. I still think the core fundamentals here, you know, added a, a mile per hour velo last year, uh, was basically the same guy. If you look at like the ERA indicators, Sierra was 412, 414 in 2022 and 2023. So basically the same dude going to be 24 years old. I think he's just kind of building up into uh, you know, a full breakout a breakout season. And I don't know if it comes this year, but I'm willing to pay for it. Uh, he's a guy that I've, I've just consistently liked. I liked the strikeout spike last year. I don't know if he holds all the, the gains, a three-point jump from 23 to 26. But if he does, I, I think there's a lot more here. I don't believe in him as a four-and-a-half ERA guy. I think he's a high threes type of guy right now with a solid whip and then the potential to be much more at age 24. All right, uh, Eric, you're the low man. Uh, oh, no, you're not. Nick, no, no, no. Nick, <laughs> Nick just moved him down. I forgot. It says the on. wrong thing on the player page. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let Eric rebut. Uh, I, and I don't have. A, I honestly don't have a rebuttal. I've always been a huge Reed Detmers fan. It just hasn't come together for him, and so I am like eagerly watching him in the spring, and I'm, I'm happy to move him up um, if I see, you know, some something that to me entails growth. I mean, he spent a lot of time talking about how he fixed his mechanics in the off season to be more consistent with his mechanics to prevent the ups and downs. And that would be great. Um, yes, he tweaked his slider. He's been doing it forever and ever trying to tweak his slider. So like I, I need to see if the, those changes actually manifest in, you know, innings, but I, I've always liked Detmers. Um, it hasn't come together. And so I don't want, I'm cautious of over investing, but again, that was the same thing for me last year with like, I was huge on Josh Lowe after reading all the breakouts about him in the alternate site in 2020. And then I had as many shares as possible. And then I thought, Oh, I got burned. I don't want to do it again. Don't and I missed him. out. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll miss on Detmers. So he's a guy I'm, I'm ready to move in the spring. If I see things I like anything to add quickly. Okay. I, uh, I Very used to be good. the biggest Reed Detmers fan. I was like, oh my gosh, high four seamers at like 95. Oh my God, it's higher now. And he has this really good slider that misses bats and he has this curveball for strikes. Everything's cool. Learning about fastball shapes, I realized that Demers has like one of the worst. It's like terrible extension. Uh, he lost over a take of vert, and now it's like super pedestrian, not uh, below average at 15. His uh, angle that he goes to the plate, like it's bad for going upstairs. So this is a pitch that got crushed last year, 47% ice air, despite the higher velocity. I Is that going to change? I don't think so. The slider isn't as well commanded as we want it to be. It's very inconsistent through the year. Uh, he got it fixed in 2022, and then they fired the coaches that fixed it. <laughs> and like the Angels are not a good development squad. The curveball is not consistent enough. The, actually, the only intriguing thing about Demers right now to me is that he had the change at the end of the year. Maybe that helps him, but I need to see something dramatically different uh, from what he throws because the four-seamer right now, just it needs to be a, the higher vert pitch. It needs to be just more. I mean, it's a really bad extension that's killing this pitch a lot. And to me, it's just way too Cherry Bomb-esque at the moment that I'm just not drafting him, unfortunately. All right. I'm going to put two together because you guys are on opposite sides of the ranks on both of them. I think uh, there's definitely some wrongness going on around here. Uh, <laughs> Shoto Minaga, uh, Eric, you have him 30. Nick, you have him 32. Paul, you have him 67. 
And then I am higher now. And Rodriguez. Um, Nick, you have him 66. Uh, Eric, you have him 75. Paul, you have him 36. We have just like four minutes left. Yeah. So very, very quickly defend your choices uh, because I'm on the opposite I, side. I can be quick. Yeah. Anyway, I'd love quick. to hear the Imanaga thing. I, I don't uh, know. Imanaga is amazing. Um, he led he led the Japanese league in strikeout rate. He had the highest stuff plus of any pitcher in the World Baseball Classic. His arsenal is ridiculous. He led um, he was uh, he had a 68 percent strike rate in the NPB. It would have been fifth best in Major League Baseball. So he throws consistent strikes with electric stuff. Um, he looked amazing in those early bullpens. I think the, the reason we have this knock on him is that he's 30 years old, so he didn't get the hype that Yamamoto did, but he was better in many respects than Yamamoto in the NPB last year. I'm not drafting in a dynasty league. I'm drafting in a redraft league. To be clear, I have Yamamoto higher, but I'm saying that that Imanaga is a very talented pitcher who gets knocked because he doesn't have like the flashy velo, but he has a great arsenal of pitches. The Eduardo Rodriguez hate is he vastly overperformed literally all of his um, underlying metrics last year. I do my rankings as if I'm drafting in a 12 teamer. I don't really see any upside for Eduardo Rodriguez in a 12 team league. I think he is a fine, but not great uh, ratio pitcher. And to me, like I can get an Eduardo Rodriguez type off waiver wire in a 12 team league. And so I have him below um, basically guys who are much riskier, but I would rather take them as my late round picks um, in a 12 team league on the, the off, uh, the offshoot that they pop. Um, I've been an Eduardo Rodriguez fan in the past. It, to me, it's just like, it's a meh profile. Paul re- a rebuttal. I mean, you're not getting three thirty one fifteen off the off the waiver wire uh, in twelve team. You might be getting a, a mid fours, which I don't is think, where I don't he's going to that either. Eric, yeah. He's going to give you a three nine. Is my yeah my guess. with like a one twenty one twenty five whip. Yeah, that's not really on the wire that often either. If we're being in a twelve team or yeah, twelve team, twelve team. Well, twelve team. There's a lot of guys that are, you can draft like that already, like Waka. How like believable Waka. is Waka? I I mean he's an elite changeup with some I mean, isn't, isn't that what Rodriguez was an elite right? changeup too? Rodriguez I mean, had I generally showed health, you know, Waka health too, but he did this last year. Like he is going Waka's to the, the same thing the field though. And like, well, I don't want yeah, Waka have, we have this, the same place. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I'll take I'll yeah. take Tyler Wells over Eduardo Rodriguez yeah. if I'm just like trying to draft the beginning of the season. They're right in the same this, range. This is just evolving at the end. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, I have to okay. just, uh, I have to kind of cut it, unfortunately, because we've got another amazing panel coming on. But you guys are the best in the business. I love all of you. Uh, Nick, might have reached on social media and plug everything you got going over at Bitrelist. Yeah, Jen, by the way, I'm sure you meant the cute guy in the bottom left because Eric's over there. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, also, Spore and I might be doing something. I don't know. We might announce it soon. But we get it looks good and stuff. So it looks that's great. Cool. Look out for that. It's happening. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I don't know. Don't. So nobody, true. neither of you. Yeah, nobody does. Design. Nobody does. This is crazy. All right. Uh, Stay a, tuned. A non-announcement announcement. announcement uh, that's right. Coming soon. A tease. It's called uh, a tease. Learn the business. Yes, a tease. Yes, Nick has started right. so many things. This, this yeah, whatever. Paul, oh, oh, remind everybody where you can reach and what you do. On Twitter at Spore, I'm not calling it X. I'm not a moron. Uh, fantasy. <laughs> uh, so, 
Fangraphs.com slash Rotographs. We can switch the URL every year, it seems. Pods with you, Justin, uh, doing our starting pitcher preview. As I said, we got our rankings up. Got sleepers coming out next week. It is baseball season, y'all. All right, what? Eric, finish this out. Yeah, uh, they're at, already out. Sorry, the bus oh, is already out. That's the only reason yeah. I'm previewing. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. No, that's okay. I'm I'm ready to read the bus. Um, I'm it's at out. Samsky NYC on on Twitter. Um, I tweet out all my articles, so you can get them there. Um, you can get them at NBCSports.com is where all of that will come. If you just type in Eric Spolsky NBC Sports, it takes you to a page with literally all of my articles. Uh, Nick and I are on the corner together, um, and then I'm also on the Roto World Baseball podcast. So check me out there as well. I'll visit that cool. right. and, and hopefully I'll be on the podcast with you, Justin, to talk about uh, your hatred of Riley Green. Yeah, we're going to we're going to uh, set that up. I will uh, DM you and we'll set that Sounds up good. in the future. Uh, Nick, I will see you in Florida in uh, just about a week. Eric, I will see you in New York, hopefully in about three weeks. Paul, and I'll we'll see you on Monday when on we Monday morning. Together. That sounds great. Gentlemen, great talking with you. Take care, guys. You guys. Bye.